Hello, Steve. Hi, Anthony. You're right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm having a little chat with some various tea ciders who've made their mark in the world, and uh, a lot of people. You will you will be one of the most familiar tea side accents in the media, which sounds strange. It's been a long journey for you, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it has. Um, a really long journey, actually. And um, I mean, f- for me, it sort of it kicked off with doing a degree in broadcast journalism. That's kind of what sort of launched me into this. I remember actually, so I went to uh, Leeds Uni. And when I was going to uni, it was basically the three places you wanted to go if you were going to do broadcast journalism were were Leeds, Cardiff and Nottingham Trent. I didn't fancy Cardiff. Nottingham Trent rejected me. So (laughs) I landed on Leeds. (laughs) Uh, You you actually did a few things before that. Didn't you write for the Gazette? I did. You were a cricket correspondent briefly. Well, correspondent is the grandest of grand words. But um, yeah, so basically, this was when I was at university. So in in my third year of uni, I literally lived on on the doorstep of Headingley Stadium. Um, Like Headingley Stadium was was closer to my uh, front door than the pitches to the dugouts at the riverside I, we're, talk, we're talking that close it was, it right, was excellent. and um yeah i got in touch with the gazette and the, the sports editor there at the time phil talentire and i just basically said i exist i will go to yorkshire games for free um and, and i knew there was an appetite for yorkshire because because my dad used to take me to watch yorkshire when they they briefly played at um was it Ackland park Ackland park yeah I, I did many a sunday shift there <laughs> well I did as well but it wasn't a shift it was just going to watch cricket and um I I loved it I fell in love with cricket then and Yorkshire cricket and you know you could you could just sort of go and hang around the boundary and get autographs from the players and that kind of stuff it was it was brilliant so I knew that there was kind of a Durham Yorkshire split within uh within Teesiders when it came to cricket and um and yeah they they, they very kindly let me work for free and then later I was getting paid about 20 quid an article, I think, and then slightly more and slightly more and slightly more. Um, but I loved it. Yeah, so the, my mum still got it framed, actually, at uh, my parents' house in Gisborne, the first piece I had published in the Gazette. I think mine's around somewhere as well in my mum's house. But yours is better than mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was on broadsheet because that's how long ago it was that I started at the Gazette. Uh, you're, you're proper Middlesbrough, aren't you? You were born in Parkside, you know, like all good people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I was born at I was born at Parkside Hospital, and it's it's always weird. This I don't know if if you find this or if other people find this, but because I was raised in Gisborough, sometimes if I'll talk to anyone from outside the area, I'll say, "Oh yeah, I'm from Middlesbrough," because nobody's heard of Gisborough. And then if they're also from Teesside, they say, "Oh, what part of Middlesbrough?" And you go, oh, "Well, actually, Gisborough." And then they say, <laughs> <laughs> so what I do is I lean heavily on the fact that um, my dad, uh, born and raised Berwick Hills. Um, so I lean as heavily on that as I can. Um, my grandma and granddad lived in Berwick Hills all their life. Uh, my grandma still lives there uh, on Darrenth Crescent in Berwick Hills. So, um, so yeah, I am a proper Teesider. I was born in Middlesbrough. I might have grown up in Gisborough, but that is still on Teesside, so it counts. It's just not as, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the right word is. I think my, my dad would never say this, but he, I would say, is proper Middlesbrough, and I'm sort of second generation. <laughs> uh Wherever you go in the world, you bump into Teesiders, don't you? That's that's one of the, the good things about the accent is that it's people pick it up with a radar from 50 miles away. Yeah. And you must have bumped into Teesiders all over the world. <laughs> I bumped into one in Equatorial Guinea. Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty impressive. 
So um, I was at the Africa Cup of Nations for the BBC World Service in 2015, which was in Equatorial Guinea, which is a mad country. You know, I never thought that, you know, when I, when I was sort of studying history at Lawrence Jackson and stuff, that I would end up going to like a, um, a dictator-led country because there are, thankfully, very few of those left in the world. But I, I was there for a, for a football tournament and I was sitting in the, the reception bar and I just heard this voice and I was like, that's a Middlesbrough accent. I was, like, I was like, I'm not going crazy. So I went over and said hello to this guy and we had a chat for a bit and he was like, hang on, are you Jill's brother? And I was like, I am Jill's brother. And he was like, oh, I was two years ahead of you at Lawrence Jackson. So yeah, bizarre. But I mean, I don't think I can top that. It's very difficult to top being in Equatorial Guinea and meeting somebody not only from Teesside, but from Gisborough. I mean, that, that's that's quite a cool country to tick off, but you must have pretty much all of them now, do you? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been quite lucky in that sense because I, I never kind of, it never occurred to me to sort of go travelling at any stage. That was, I mean, I would never have had the money. It was never something that was on my radar, but I've been massively lucky to do it through work. Um, and obviously I, I work for Five Live now. I've, I've left the World Service, but oh, the places I got to go to working for them, I was just so lucky. So, I mean, Equatorial Guinea is definitely the kind of the weirdest place, but I've been to, you know, all around North America in Canada. Um, I was in Brazil for the Olympics in 2016. Um, the I've been in Asia, kind of, but only just in the same way as that I'm, you know, I'm technically from Middlesbrough. I've technically been to Asia for work because I've been in the Fenerbahce side of Istanbul, which is the other side of the Bosphorus. So it, it technically is there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, all over some some amazing places and met some amazing people and had some bizarre experiences, like being at, you know, being at a stadium, a proper stadium riot in Equatorial Guinea. That would have been probably the the scariest thing I've witnessed. But it's mostly football. And and you know what? The 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 great thing about it is that you end up going to places you would never go to on holiday. Like, I'm not going for an all-inclusive two weeks in Equatorial Guinea, <laughs> nor am I doing that in the Faroe Islands. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's mostly been thanks to football and thanks to work. But, yeah, I mean, e- even if I had to retire tomorrow, I would look back on some of just some of the places that I've been to and be like, as if I ended up going there. So you've got a nice collection of postcards, obviously. But Teesside's still home, isn't it? What, do, you, do you come back to Teesside? Does it always draw you back? Of course, yeah. Um, I mean, I would say that I would come back probably once every, probably once every couple of months, maybe maybe three months. Um, but obviously with COVID, uh, that hasn't happened. So I've not seen my parents. I've not been back to Gisborough for a year now, which is by far the longest I've ever been uh, outside of Teesside. But yeah, it always calls me back. I mean, I love Gisborough. One of the great things about Gisborough is that, because um, I didn't learn to drive until after university, so you do so much walking just to see your mates. So the the amount of, I've got calves like Jack Grealish, the amount of walking that I've done around uh, around, <laughs> around Gisborough and like walking to Lawrence Jackson and back every day when I was a kid as well, you know, that's like a five mile round trip. Um, so yeah, I love it. And I, I go back as much as I can. Um, but yeah, the last year, it's it's been really sad actually because I've not been able to go back at all. It's uh, it's, a, it's a very special place in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a weird mix, isn't it, Teesside? Well, when you're away from Teesside, you really miss it, don't you? Uh, when I lived in Newcastle and I used to drive down, 
we used to get to like Hartlepool and you'd see the orange glow because in those days it was still very much a, a chemical thing, but it, it it felt like you were coming home. And it must be similar to you because when you come to Gisborough, it, it's the, the rise when you come in into the town and you, you come across obviously bank and suddenly bang, blade running. <laughs> it's a strange mixture, isn't it, between industry and the greenery. Yeah, I think that's what makes it. I think that's what makes it such a beautiful place to go back to. And I also think it's part of the. It's part of that thing of you know, if you're from Middlesbrough um, or Teesside in general, you can you can talk about the bad parts of of Teesside. If you're not from Teesside, that is not allowed, yeah, don't and dare. you are banned from doing that. Don't dare, and especially because like I remember when that um, that Channel Four documentary documentaries is giving it a title that it doesn't deserve it did like the 10 worst places to live or whatever and Middlesbrough yeah. was number one and it was just all nonsense you know it was the classic cliched stuff about here's a shot of a cooling tower and I seem to remember they filmed a load of it outside Middlesbrough anyway but th- there was no effort to go and see the the beautiful parts of, of Teesside at all it was just like let's laugh at this town which if you only bother to look at one part of it doesn't look particularly nice um, and the, the contrast from what you've just talked about is like for, for me going from from Gisborough to Borough Games was you get to the top of Ormsby Bank and you start to come down and then you just sort of see it all laid out in front of you. Fantastic. And it's that unique thing of being able to see all the landmarks from that rise. But equally, when you, the thing that says home to me, uh, and I remember, you know, the first time I took my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, back to back to Gisborough. The, there was always one landmark, and because we wouldn't come back via Ormsby Bank, we came back um, through through Great Ayton. It would be Rosebury Topping, and it would be as soon yeah. as you see Rosebury Topping, I was like, "That's it, I'm home." And you know, again, luckily being from where I'm, specifically where I'm from, not just being from Gisborough, but being at the what I would call the right end of Gisborough. Um, <laughs> you can be up the top of Rosebury Topping on foot from my mum and dad's front door in 45 minutes and you, it doesn't get better than that, does it? That's always the thing that that pulls me back. Um, and I remember, you know, the first time my girlfriend came to Gisborough, that was the one thing I was excited about doing was was going for a walk up, up Rosebury Topping because, you know, you get up the top of there and it's just on a good day, it's just perfect. When you When you're away from Middlesbrough, I think some people become... Uh, almost missionaries for the area. Is that you? Are you an evangelist for Teesside and you tell everyone, put everyone right on it? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, it's got to the stage now where I, I've tried, I have to kind of try and, um, what's the word, ration myself on banging on about Middlesbrough. <laughs> Nobody has ever said to me, listen, I um, really like that show, but could you could you stop mentioning Middlesbrough all the time? But one day it might happen because I do bring it up a lot, yeah. especially on the radio. But I, I, I think that's absolutely fine. I think, you know, and in, in a more serious point around radio, um, you know, when I was young, there was only really, you know, I would have listened to somebody like John Murray and be like, oh, there's an example of someone, you know, obviously not from Teesside, but just someone from the northeast. The north, yeah. And, and yeah, who can be on national radio. And that kind of thing says to you, okay, well, actually... You know, maybe it's not impossible for for me to do something like that because it's like anything else. If you if you hear a voice that sounds vaguely, vaguely like yours, um, but yeah, I, I'm very conscious of the fact that 
and the funny thing is like I, pre- I present a european football show with guillaume balagay and a few others and the amount that middlesbrough come up on that show and it's got to the stage where i don't do it now because <laughs> i know the others will bring it up at some point and to be on a show where it's like you've got four guests or me and three other people we've got julian from paris guillaume from catalonia uh christophe from um you know, Antwerp and like Raphael Honigstein from Munich and then me from Middlesbrough. It's a nice mix. <laughs> it, you've got a really good gig there. The, the, the Sunday afternoon show, obviously, you're linking in a lot of different sports, uh, a lot of different feeds from from all over the, the sporting universe. That's a lot of balls to keep up in the air, isn't it? That's a that's a tough show that you do. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, and, and the other thing is, obviously, with COVID, it's been made that much more difficult. So to kind of paint a picture... I'm talking to you now from uh, the one spare bedroom which exists in in me and my wife's house. This is where I do all my shows from. So when you're in the studio, you know, you've got all these different feeds and all these TV screens. I've essentially got my laptop uh, and one television and that's it. So it is made harder by the fact that everything has to be done from home now as well, on top of the fact that it's it's difficult. It, yeah, it, it's a lot of things to keep up in the air. It needs a lot of, you need to, you sort of feel like you have to be across everything all the time, yes. which is particularly difficult now because there's there's probably too much football now. And you're wildering the amount of football. Yeah, and, and I am I have got I do sometimes get football fatigue, which is something I've never encountered in my life before. But but if you've got five five Saturday three PM kickoffs, you can, as I would on a Saturday when when I'm normally not presenting, obviously, you can sit and listen to Ian Dennis do his commentary, and you you feel like you're across everything because there's the, all reports coming in. You listen to sports report; it's all happening. That's one show you need to listen to to be up to date on everything. Now, if you don't watch football every night, you quite quickly become behind, and that's just one of the sports. So the actual on air bit, I I don't find. Um, I mean, it depends what happens. And, you know, I've, I've covered a load of different stories just in the last year and, you know, stories that have broken just before going on, like when Jack Charlton passed away. Um, so, you know, you you, ha- you end up handling lots of different things, but the, the amount of prep that goes into the show to make it sound on air as if it's had very little prep, if that makes sense, yeah. it's really difficult to to kind of balance that idea of, I'm working really hard to make it sound like I'm not working hard at all. (laughs) It's hard to not just keeping all the balls up in the air. It's uh, not seeing the joins and also making the other people that that you're communicating with feel like it it fits in nicely, nice and smoothly. That's a hell of a skill. Very impressed. Oh, thanks. Well, to be honest, I think I remember being in a meeting once and I heard um, another broadcaster talk about egos and saying oh we've all obviously you know we're all doing this for a reason we've all got big egos and stuff blah blah blah. i don't actually think that's true because i my job is to is to get the best out of the guests that are on the show and that is essentially it um i mean obviously you've got to be bouncing around and you've got to find sort of creative and not cheesy ways to link into things and you've got to be thinking well ahead and that's the that's if you like the the difficult part of it but the most important part and the, the bit that people will remember, I think, after they've listened to your show is how good the guests have been. So if, if I can, for example, do um, so as an example, I did an interview yesterday with, with Dean Smith and I wanted to kind of do something on Jack Grealish, but do it differently to what's been done before. So we had a chat about um, 
we had a chat about coaching basically and he, he gave this really nice description where he talked about the the reciprocal light bulb moments that they have so he'd said i like to think as a coach i will give jack Grealish light bulb moments but he gives them to me as well and we kind of had a discussion around that so we'll play that on the show but we'll then rely on the guests that we've got to take that on and move it into different areas and if i say absolutely nothing for 10 minutes i think i've done a good job because that means that they're all bouncing off each other and talking to each other and there are some there are some incredibly sharp pundits out there and if I've got them having a really good discussion with each other, which I'm just listening to, and if they're talking about the story itself and they're bringing in their own experiences, that to me is the best radio. So actually, what basically what I'm trying to say is I think the skill is to not have a big ego because you've got to realise that it is, it's not about you. It is about them. Yeah. And if you can set up an atmosphere for them to be really good, then you're, you're winning, I think. It must be hard to have a big ego when every other uh, person that in, in the discussion is a household name. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's a very good point. It's pretty it's it's easier to not have an ego when you're in the company of some of the people that 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 I end up in the company of. Um, and yeah, that is a good point. But I think it's you know as as a it, it would be very easy to sit there as a presenter and think, oh, you know, I've I've not said anything for five minutes, and do I need to just kind of jump in and get something in there? But the reality is, you know. You're best off just sitting back and letting them talk to each other. And so do you think your show has a, a big core audience back in Gisborough and Middlesbrough? Do all your friends and family listen in every week? <laughs> um, my, Funnily enough, I'm not sure my dad listens that much. <laughs> He'd, he'll probably be furious to hear that, but my mum listens to everything I do to the extent that she'll know when I'm on air almost as well as I do and sometimes better. Um but I think my dad just sort of chips in for the odd thing if I like message him and say, oh, this is on and you'll find this interesting and that kind of thing. But yeah, my mum listens absolutely religiously. Funnily enough, my wife doesn't really listen to me that much, um, but she does listen to an incredible amount of Five Live. So I'm probably the only thing on Five Live she doesn't listen to <laughs> uh, because normally I'm on the weekend when she's off and she's got stuff to do, whether she'll sit in her like little office room working and just have Five Live on in the background. But the, the reality is um, all of my really close friends from back home uh, don't live in Gisborough anymore. So they, they, they don't really listen anywhere. But I think that's just a natural thing about, you know, being from a very down-to-earth place and having a very down-to-earth group of mates. Like, they've got their own stuff to do. They don't need to be sitting up and listening to me yeah. on the radio. Yeah, big deal. I don't want to listen to you banging on about yeah, exactly. work. Exactly. They're not bothered. I mean, why should and why should they be bothered? Like it, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything really. It's just you know, I happen to have a job which means that more people might know who I am than know who my mate is, who's a university lecturer, or my mate who's a secondary school teacher. But it doesn't matter, does it? It's, it's just another job. Mine just happens to be this. I just think it's good to have a Teesside accent on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because it's, when en whenever that gets mentioned, I then find myself going a bit more Teesside. Joking, because, yeah. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have a work voice. I, I absolutely don't have a work voice. But it's like anything else. Like, my dad's got, obviously, a very thick Teesside accent. Um, if I go home 
and speak to him, I'll sound like I sound when I'm talking to you. But if he picks up the phone, suddenly he has a slightly more sort of professional voice because he's speaking to someone he doesn't know. And it's the same time when it's the same when I'm on the radio. It will have a you know I'll listen back to myself and say, oh, I, I said goal there. I didn't say goal. Why did I do that? Or I said more instead of more. Why did I do that? And it, it you know it, I think it's just that sort of psychosomatic thing. But I'm very proud of my accent and. Um, I think it helps me now as well. I think obviously there was a time many years ago where people wanted this sort of, and good afternoon and welcome to the sport, which is on the BBC. But uh, people, uh, there's there's certainly a place for that, but there's no more a place for that than there is a place for any other accent now, which which is how it should be. Right. Thanks for that, Steve. That was an interesting discussion. Good luck in the rest of your career. I'm sure everyone in Teesside would listen to you proudly as one of our own. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Talk in Teesside podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, subscribe and leave us a review. For more of our content, head over to thetees.online or to catch up on the latest from us, you can follow us over on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at thetees online. Thanks again and until next time, bye. Bye.